Welcome to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast, Episode 9 with Chris van der Hagen. Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show and this week really excited about our guest, uh, someone I first heard speak a few months ago at the uh, a big conference out in Geneva. He's the uh, head of coaching for the Belgium FA and he was talking about how the Belgium FA had restructured their coach education program and their technical program for, for players in grassroots and also in the elite level. So really interesting guy, got some amazing insight to give. Uh, one of the main things I really took away from this was really the importance of uh, 1v1, the 1v1 duel, which is obviously a big part of my philosophy and at mypersonalfootballcoach.com if you know know me or know anything about me. And uh, I'm really passionate about it. And it's great to see you know other leading countries in the world who have this same philosophy and hopefully, you know, uh, other countries like my, my own country, England, and can follow suit and start to believe and uh, really understand and appreciate the importance of this, um, of this, this, of the 1v1 duel and the 1v1 in coaching. And we can start to integrate it more into our, into our coach development and into our training, both at grassroots and, uh, and at elite level. So I think really will help uh, player development. Um, uh, myself actually been really busy as usual working with several pro clubs now around England and in Europe and also really proud to welcome Burlington Soccer from Ontario in Canada as a partner club um, supporting their players with the online technical training program and also their coaches with the coaches pass the coaches pass we're also now excited to be delivering uh, lots more 1v1 team practices so really supporting coach education in you know how to integrate not only ball mastery but 1v1 training into your sessions uh, efficiently to work to have quality technical work so that's going great so uh, all things going well and uh, I hope you enjoy this show it's going to be it's a really good one I know you will and uh, please do uh, review if you have time and uh, any feedback is much appreciated. So welcome Chris van der Hagen. Yes, uh, thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, could you just give us a little bit of a brief background about yourself and your history and your coaching and playing background? Yeah, I'm, uh, as a player, I, uh, I didn't play in the, in the professional game, but I, uh, as a senior player, I, uh, I played just uh, till the top amateur level. So in Belgium, it's a third, uh, third division. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the reasons was that I... Uh, I saw at very young age that uh, I never could reach the the top of the as a football player, and so I decided very early to uh, specialize in uh, in education. So that uh, that means that from 16 years old I was a I was a youth coach at uh, at grassroots level, and as soon as I was uh, working at uni- starting uh, studying at university. I studied uh, Roman languages, but uh, in combination with that, I was uh, already starting my uh, coach education uh, uh, diplomas very early. So uh, that's that made that uh, as uh, a preparation for my studies of language, I was always thinking about 
what's the best way to teach uh, youngsters? So in my job, I've been working for 22 years as, as language teacher, foreign language teacher. So I, I, I used a lot of these experience to, uh, to work uh, with, with, youth, uh, with youth players at different levels and I started at grassroots level. And I've been working for about 15 years grassroots coach between under 12, even under 10, under 19. And then I was at the same period, I was player, senior player. And um, then I got to, uh, at 35 years old, I, I uh, switched my playing career into a combination of playing with the seniors and coach of the same team. So player coach for five years. And that was during the, the period that I was uh, doing my A license. And uh, then I, uh, eight years ago, I started working as a coach education uh, manager of the Belgian FA. And I also worked uh, between 2008 and 2011, four years. I was working in the national youth teams under 15, under 16, under 17. And uh, now then I, I, I quit because as, as director of coach education, I, uh, I had a... My, my job was, uh, was too hard to combine as a, a, as a coach at the international level with those youth players. And I quit for uh, just one, two seasons and then our uh, technical director of women football, he asked me, Chris, please help me with the under-19 women team. So since now, 2013, I am coaching again at the national team with the under-19 uh, girls team. So that's uh, a little bit my, uh, my background and during uh, my last year, uh, when I was not coaching, I did the pro license uh, in Belgium. So, and uh, since now, since uh, June 2014, I am organizing the pro license in our country, and I'm also a member of the UEFA Gira panel. So that's uh, an overview of the whole, uh, yeah, my whole history I... from player till coach and now till. Uh, Director of Coach Education. So now your your role is Director of Co Coach Education, right? For the whole the technical. Yeah, in combination, and I also I'm also head coach of the under nineteen women national team. Okay, excellent. So just um, it's interesting thinking about your background there. Do you think it's helped you coming through and working with players of all ages? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because even now, still at at the, at the professional level. It's good to know what's uh, what's happening on the basis of football, and especially at youth, uh, for working with youth uh, levels, different levels and different age groups, helps you to understand what it is about learning. Because this is what a lot of a lot of senior uh, players and coaches they they are not aware about what is really happening in the learning process of of children. I think it's interesting myself as well, obviously. Like I mentioned previously, when we talked, I'm a I'm a foundation phase specialist. I work with the younger age groups, five to elevens. But in my time in England, working in academy football at Tottenham and Chelsea for ten years, I think only very recently has it been accepted that maybe you know one size doesn't fit all. So maybe you know the younger players shouldn't be doing the same as what the older players are doing. No, 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 absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, and that's also why we have been making. Uh, big changes in uh, in education of youth coaches in Belgium and also in the playing formats and, and the whole organization of youth football in Belgium because we really are, are aware, 100% aware of these children are completely different, different as the older age group, different as seniors. 
So you also have to organize their coaching, their coach education, their training sessions, and even their competition games in another way. So can you just uh, talk about then some of the changes you, you've implemented at the at the Belgium FA? So we, 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 the first change that we made was um, introducing 8v8 and 5v5 football. So um, we have been working about, in, uh, it's more than 10 years ago that we started and, and uh, working in, in three different levels, 5v5 till the under, uh, under 10, then going to 8v8 football. And, and um, there we also made a change now two years ago we play now 8v8 football till under under 13. So under 14 is the first age group that starts playing 11v11. So that means that till that age, we can really focus on small-sided games, quick decision-making, really uh, trying to help, to help them to, to get into really perfect technical skills, uh, not only technical, but also tactical decision-making must be really uh, very good to to survive on on in these small side games environment, and and that helps a lot to 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 make then only the the, the step to 11 v 11 football and at the age of under 14. And now, as you say, they are all different in the different age groups. So five years ago, we started discussing about the youngsters, really the young the the youngest age group, and and we were realizing that what we were doing there. So under seven, for example, playing football 5v5, when you observe what, what's happening in that game, this is not really what, what the youngsters need, because there is one ball, there are 10 children just getting, trying to get that ball, and it's, it's a struggle for, for, the one, for the one ball. And, and there we realized we have to, to do something else, and, and we created uh, what we call dribbling football. So that means they play in formats 2v2 against each other, one one playing as a goalkeeper, but he can dribble in. He's just starting like, like a player, but he can defend, he can use his hands to, to defend the goal. But they start just dribbling and then it's about dribbling your opponent and, and scoring, trying to score goals. And if you're out of possession, trying to regain the ball and try to score again, just like, like I started playing against my brother. And that is 40, 45 years ago when, when we were six years old. It was uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the garden or, or in, the, in the garage, just playing 1v1 against each other. And, and there you have massive number of, of touches of the ball. And when you compare that to with the 5v5 format at that age, it, it, it's an amazing change. And now we see already the results because in my grassroots club, we see that the, the youngsters who has been through that process, they now they are just dribbling and they have much more technical skills than, than they had before. Uh, I'm, I agree with you. I'm a, a big fan of 1v1, or 1v1 with goalies as well. I think it's real, really beneficial. Uh, some yeah. would, are playing devil's advocate here. Some people in England would, uh, some specialists would suggest that actually they, they prefer 5v5 or bigger formats because there's more decision making. That's a big debate we're having in England is that actually they're saying that they want it a bit more. They want more decisions. And uh, yeah. my argument would say actually, well, actually it's more about technical, maybe about quality rather than quantity in, in that case. What's your yeah, but you you also have to ask yourself and to ask the question if, but because now I'm talking about under seven, so really the youngsters. So are they able to deal with complex decision making? At my opinion, they aren't. They are just 
coming out of, of, of kindergarten. They are just discovering a, a new a new game, a new sport, and and they are really very egocentric. So they, they just want they want to have their own ball, dribble, and try to score a goal. And and then you see parents shouting and coaches shouting, give a pass, give a pass. But they at that age they are not ready for giving passes. Um, and but of course there are there are always exceptions. And and um, the very very best ones. They are ready to do that, but then you can put them in under seven and in, in, in under eight and, and make them train and play in a year o- older. But for the average player, 5v5 is too much complex, too much complex. And what do you think about 1v1? Is that still, do you still encourage that going through yeah. the uh, age groups, uh, even all the way up there in, 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 in the... You know, in yeah, line absolutely. with the other formats. Absolutely, we, we, we focus all through the the even at the, at the academy system, at at the highest level, at the professional level. The one v one is is still basis of 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 the whole eleven v eleven, because if if you're master the one v one situation, and if if all your teammates can do that, you you are you have a fantastic team because you you have two qualities. You can master the game just against your opponent, and you can master the game. You can be master of the game in combination with your teammates, and and uh, that's why the one v one situation is is coming back in in the in the in the learning programs of of uh, of the players at all age groups, and and I'm convinced uh, even at senior level, at senior level, I I, I always have an, a, a huge um, attention. I pay a, a, a lot of attention to the to the individual development of of the players, even at at, at senior level. They still can get better every every single day. I remember your uh, presentation in Geneva, and you talked about obviously the complexity in football, and you're looking to replicate that in your training sessions. You just tell us a little bit about that, and then yeah. So again, I compare with the past. I just maybe just to give, and there I agree about creating complexity and 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 uh, trying to reflect the decision making in your in your training sessions. So. Um, I give an example. I've, we have seen too much training sessions, I, I, passing drills, where the coach decided just before uh, the exercise starts, that's the way I want you to see passing. You go from A to B, from B to C, from C to D, and so on. So players are just repeating the pass, the, the, these passes, and then they go to the next station. So even the coach he t- tells them, you give a pass to B, and then you go to the station B. You get the pass from B to C. You go, to, you follow the ball, just like that. That this is, this has nothing to to deal with, with the complexity of the game. So, we try now, also in coach education, even from from the the lowest level at at uh, at the C level already, to explain the coaches that you have to 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 set up a reality based environment. So, uh, you need opposition. You need decision making on the level of the players. The coach cannot tell them do this, do that. They have to make the decision and they have to learn to read the game, to read the situation, and then to make the best choice. Where can and you cannot say as coach you have to play there because the best pass depends on the decision of your opponent. It's your opponent who who who, who makes that there is a gap on the right side, on the left side. As a coach, you cannot make a Make the decision before before the, the 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 player has to has to do it. So this is what we want to try to explain to the to the coaches, even at at youth level, at youngest level. Try to 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 copy 
in your training environment the reality of the game. And of course, that doesn't mean you have to play 11v11, but there must be opposition, there must be sc uh, uh, scoring goals in the exercises, not just repetition like, like we were doing, giving passes from, from me to my teammate, he's giving the pass back and so on, and we, we had to repeat that. 20, 30 times, and, and that was then training about passing, but passing it's not like that. Passing is in a situation where you make progression, where you, you try to find the, the, the best uh, teammate to give a pass to, and, and that's the complexity that, that we want to see in, in the training exercise. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point because I think there is, especially in England, there's, in the past there's been far too many static passing exercises which are one-paced and... Don't really challenge, yeah, I've, challenge the place. I give you an example. I give you an example everywhere I see, and it's it's nice to see it. You see the exercises with the mannequins. Plenty of mannequins on the pitch, but I never played a game against mannequins. So it's it's just good to to show you this is the shape. There is where defenders are, but they are standing still. So in in reality, even if you you don't have to be free to receive the ball when you're playing against a mannequin. You can just be 30 centimeters to the right, to the left, you receive the ball, you turn and you play on. So you have to, to, to go to real opposition. So do you think there's a place though, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of using small-sided games as well. Do you think there's a place of taking a player out of the game though sometimes, especially yeah, young, you young players? You, you, you can do it in the warming up and you, you it's... You, we don't have to exaggerate. You, if you see, I give an example. If you see, because the most important is the individual. If you see that the exercise is too complex for the individual, you can take him out, out of the complexity, and work on some basic skills just to get him better. That's for sure. And and that you can do some repetition in, in exercises uh, to work on this on the skills on the technical skills. I agree. But that cannot be the major part of your training session. Your training session, the major part must be based upon, upon the reality. And the reality is playing a game against opposition. Absolutely, I agree with that. So what do you think about, I, I do a lot of ball mastery in, in my sessions I've, um, as, as a skills coach. Working yeah. players individually on the ball, but obviously working efficiently. So generally at the beginning of a session. But I, I, think, yeah, it's really, yeah. I think it's a really important part of player development, getting them on the ball individually and exploring the ball and supporting them with that. What's your thoughts absolutely. on the ball mastery and, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Ball, ball mastering is it's it's one of the it's one of the basic tools to develop the individual player. But and, and especially in warming up on, or even in, as as cooling down, it's good to. I prefer them seeing uh, doing some some master ball mastering exercises than just doing some uh, some some stretching at very young age like they do with the senior people. Have at the senior players and doing the cooling down like like they see on the on the television and and I see that sometimes with players of nine and ten years old it, it makes no sense give them a ball and let them let them do the cooling down just by doing some some mastering exercises just like in the in the warming up and the more they touch the ball the better they, the more comfortable they will see when they are in possession of the ball. And what's your thoughts about maybe in terms of the lot of the one v one what you're doing? Would you um, show players some skills, challenge them to do skills, or would you just let them go and play and just let them discover themselves? It's a, it's it's a combination, but it's it's always interesting to show and and especially about when I I remember when I was when it's 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 a long time time ago. I I always ask them guys, did did you see games on television last weekend? 
what did, did you see some individual skills? Yeah, yeah, somebody. And there was always one who, because they started, they, they knew, as they knew that I was going to ask the question, they were looking and they said, ah, coach, I've seen that. I said, show me, show me. Then they, someone, some of the players, they showed and then, okay, try it now. Try it out without the position start and then we played 1v1. Try to score with one of these, of these, of these, uh, these skills, of these dribbles. And, and that's really what they like. And, and it's that, and especially now, they, they, they see video clips they see on their mobile, they see they on, on, on the internet, you, you find clips, you see that they, they even make their own clips and then it's about uh, dribbling and, and, and skills. And the more they can do, the better it is. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a misconception in this country anyway. People say that we shouldn't show player skills because maybe we're implanting, you know, our, our ideas with them. But I remember as a youngster myself watching, you know, players on TV and challenging my, you know, my friends in the playground. Can you do this skill? Showing them this skill, you know, you know. And I think it's an important part of, like you talked about the learning process, you know, how children learn, right? Modelling off others, of of us as coaches or people on TV. Absolutely. And, and I think the people who say you shouldn't show that to children, I think that they forget that their best teacher, and, and it's for everybody, for, for everybody of us, who is our best teacher? Who started to teach us? That's our mother. Our mother was our best, is, our, is our first teacher and is our best teacher. And they started to show us and to, 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 to say words to us and, and, and the children at very, very, very young age. It, that's the way you start to, to learn to, to talk. You start repetition. You repeat what you hear. You repeat what you see. It's a, this, this is normal in the learning process. If you show them something, why shouldn't it be good? Show them and then let them, let them try out. And, and just by showing you, you will give an example for them to, be, to have that attention for. If you see something, something interesting, something new, don't forget it. You observe it, keep it in your mind and try it out. That's the best way to learn. You create curiosity. And by showing them, you can, you can, you can provoke that feeling for curiosity. And, and I, I don't know why, why, you shouldn't, why you shouldn't do that. But you cannot exaggerate and say you have to do that. Let them free, but show them examples of creativity. Why not? Why not? I think that's actually boosts creativity, right? If you actually, you know, that could be a potential yeah, uh, improvement. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not A or B. It's A and B. And the more, the more op- opportunity you create, the better it is, in my opinion. So, Chris, some people say that 1v1 isn't realistic or and ball mastery is not relevant. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if, if, uh, if you say that it's not realistic, it's not realistic if you look at the big picture. But at, at my opinion, and it's not only my opinion, it's also the opinion of the Belgian FA because it's really a key principle in Belgian football. When you, when you, you look at the game... There is only one ball in the game. And as there is only one ball in the game, there are a lot of situations where it's about 1v1 for some seconds. And that's why, at our opinion, the 1v1 situation is a really crucial element of football. But after the 1v1 situation and before the 1v1 situation, there is the vision and the whole picture. But the 1v1 is a crucial element. It's like, it's like a, 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 yeah, the missing piece of the puzzle. The 1v1 is really the smallest part of the puzzle. And if you want to make the complete puzzle, you need the, all the, smalls, the small uh, pieces. 
and and uh, it's not 11 1v1 situations it's 1v1 situation around the ball and when you see yesterday i see the, the, the when i see the third goal of of uh, of chelsea you see the 1v1 situation of hazard getting into the box so if if he cannot play that 1v1 situation there will never be a goal i i i go back to the euros i've seen the euros i've seen a lot of games we have been missing some players who are really master of the 1v1 situations because if you have players like that the more you have like that the more you can open the door of a closed organization defensive organization it's often the 1v1 situation that makes a difference and maybe that was a uh, that was was what that was exactly what was missing in 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 uh, in some games i also saw the england games against iceland they had possession of the ball you can pass the ball but the door is closed both of those were closed to the iceland goals so then you need a 1v1 situation to make the difference and to open and to 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 create a numeric a numeric superiority and then then to give the pass so it's not only the 1v1 situation but the 1v1 situation is really the start of an important um, uh, an important process and of an, of an action so it starts with the ball around the ball is it's next so i play the 1v1 and i make the decision do i go for a dribble do i do i do a, a give and go or do i give a pass to someone else without being involved so it's it's decision making but 1v1 is really important I think that's what you mentioned earlier about the duel. That's what I really like yeah, about it is absolutely. that combat absolutely. situation. I'd like to be a fan of just doing 1v1 uh, to like, you know, a goal or a line because it's about, people talk about creating decision, but that that's complexity, trying to beat a player by yourself and develop yeah. or develop the moves and the movements and the yeah. ability to do that. That's really is a challenge. And that's why maybe in England we don't have produced that, that players like that, enough of those players yeah. anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why we want, at young age, we want our coaches to encourage the players to dribble and not to encourage the players to pass at very young age. Because giving passes, you can learn at at, at, at uh, later age, no problem. But dribbling, the earlier you start, the more skills you will have. And that's 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 what, what, what we have to encourage at, at young age. And that's, at my opinion, also what happens in, in South America. They play on the beach, they play, what do they do? They dribble, they dribble, they try to... To dribble and to score, and and we have more structured environment, and we and we think we think too much about the end picture, 11 v 11, Barcelona game, passing, tac tac tac. But don't forget that even in the Barcelona game, without the Messi dribbling, it's another game, it's another game. So, at my opinion, and it, and it's also why we in Belgium we we have that focus on the on the duel, and the duel is not. Me playing uh, individual marking, that's not at all. It's not that. It's being in, in, a, in a structure of a diamond where I have one opponent and I try to be master of that situation. It's always the 1v1 situation with three players around me. So could just talk through then your uh, the, the change you made in terms of the formations and how they relate to the bigger picture, the end goal, then playing... 11 v 11 um, at the end there and, and just I mean I remember you talked about in Geneva about the formation you've chosen and how that related to the decisions and the formation and the smaller sided games 
Yeah, so it's, that is may, maybe the most difficult to explain just by talking, but I will try to do, to do my best. So, um, we started to, um, to we, we, we wanted to have, when we changed into 5v5, 8v8, 11v11, we wanted to have a format that was, um, that was the, where the next level, the 8v8, was a logic step after the 5v5. That means we, we started the goalkeeper and then a diamond. So you have a diamond. In the diamond, you have four positions. Every position, when you play against another diamond, you have everywhere the 1v1 situation. So you have, the, the, you have to be master of the, of the duel as a starting point of that diamond. So when we go down there, in the, in the 2v2 goalkeeper plus player, that's exactly what you have. You start with the duel as a player. So we build it up to a diamond. And then, and that's the logic step, in the 8v8 we make a double diamond, which means that what you have been doing in the single diamond, you now start doing the same thing in the double diamond, but there are more players and the pitch is growing. So I give an example. You have a, a diamond is, is double triangle. You have triangles everywhere. So when you put the next diamond up on it, you have a, a, again the same, the same structure, the same diamond. You can, you can do the same diagonal passing, but you have now two players on the wing and three players in the center. Why do you need two players on the wing and three in the center? Because the pitch is getting better, it's, it's getting bigger. So you have more depth, so you need one extra player on that wing. And now we go to 11v11, where the pick is getting bigger again, and where we keep in that, the, the pick is, is getting more width. So we need, we, we put that diamond, we, we get the diamonds out of each other, and we put a, a triangle in the middle. So that's how, how we, we, we have been preparing 11v11 by playing 5v5 in one diamond and 8v8 in, 8v8 in a double diamond. And in all that uh, playing formats, the, the crucial element is the 1v1 situation. Because you don't have three players in the double diamond. If you play, for, because some teams, that, some clubs, they started playing uh, two central players in the back, and then against one striker. So at very young age, you have there already two against one. That's what, something that we didn't want. We wanted them to be in 1v1 situation. So that means to be playable, you must be creative and look for space. To defend, you must be strong because you play 1v1 situation. So by keeping that format, we were without telling it to the players and to the coaches, you, you are working on the 1v1 situation. You make them stronger in the 1v1 situation and also you develop them in the playing format, one diamond and double diamond. So it's interesting that, I mean, that, so that this 1v1 philosophy really does run right through the heart of the, uh, yeah, the this curriculum. Is, yeah, this is a, it's a red thread through the curriculum, starting from now from under six football, because there, now we really have the, the best example. We start players teaching, guys, here you are, here is the ball, there is an opponent, if you can dribble him, you can score the goal, and, 
And that's why we call it there also dribbling, dribbling football, because we only teach them there dribble and shoot. So, so where did where did this come from? This this philosophy, this this change of this change of it thought. Ha- it it has. Uh, we have been working uh, for for several years on it and, and developing the best format for players. We have been asking questions to ourselves, making videotapes for for hours and looking at 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 the format. When we looked at the five v five format, there was a, a, a crucial moment, and that was the registration age for the youngsters. So before. You, you only could register, register at EFA at the age of seven years old. So that means they started playing under age football. So three years ago, four years ago, the EFA the, the, the decided not to have a minimum age anymore. So what, what happened? We saw a lot of young children arriving at the club, from joining their brother, at five years old. So what, you, what, what were the clubs obliged to do? They say, okay, these are the, this is one, the, the, the really the, young cat, the youngest category we make under six. Okay, what we do with them, how we do the same thing as what we do in under eight. And then we were observing and seeing, this is not, the, these children, five years old and seven years old, there is a huge difference between them. Um, so we we saw that this is not the good football because this is not football. They all get it's a struggle to have a ball. Uh, the good one he touches the ball, he dribbles and he shoots. The other ones they just run after the ball. They never touch the ball. It's uh, and then we decided okay how can we how can we find something that's really good for the children? And we started to do some experiences with what we call the football festivals. And we started playing in, in smaller formats. We say, okay, instead of 5v5, let's try. Uh, we make two groups. We play 3v3 and 2v2. So, and that's by doing these experiences that we, 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 we found out. And we asked also to the children, what do you, what do you love most? And then it was clear that uh, the smaller the playing format was, the more playing time they had, the more ball touches they had, and the, the, the more fun they have. But also here, we, we have to, to, to explain very well how we do it, because if you play, you, you, I give an example, if you play against me, and you are, you are rather well skilled, and I am really struggling, it makes no sense to make you play against me. So what we do is, we, we make different levels of, of players, and we, we make uh, three categories of players when we organize a festival like that. The, the, more, the, the more skilled ones, the mediums, and the really the beginners. And you, you, you make uh, duos uh, playing against each other of, of uh, starting play, starters, children that just start playing football and that are, they, are, they are really struggling still with the ball, and, and then the more developed. And that gives really the best... Uh, the best results, they enjoy, they can score, everybody can win. And that's the most important. So, so tell me how you deal with then, you have this great, you have the dribbling culture uh, in the in your 2v2 or 1v1s with goalies and then they step up into the 5v5s and then the 8v8s. How do you manage um, in terms of players wanting to dribble and then do, do coaches want to, we have a thing maybe in, in England where you know coaches want to see a pretty game of football at very young yep. ages and they wanted to move the ball quick. So 
what what do you do to encourage coaches to, to give players the freedom to do what they want to do, make their own decisions, or is it trying to might incorporate them a bit more in the team game? What's your outlook on that? The the, the basics. The, it's very 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 important to make to explain to everybody, explain why you want them to do these things or, or why do why you want them to play that kind of football. I say to my in my grassroots club, I say to my coaches if if you if you want to make to see them play quick combinations, okay, then you have to play then you have to go in the under ten under eleven group, but you're you're here in the wrong environment because at that age they are not able to do that. It's impossible. So what are they able to do? They are able to to master the ball to dribble. Okay, just let them do what they are able to do. Make them better in the things that they can do. But don't try to force them to do things that are too complex for them. So this is the most important uh, first step. It's create awareness at the level of the coaches, but also at the level of the parents. We, had a, we, ha- we have struggled a lot to explain to parents because the parents say, Football, it's a, it's a team sport. Yes, it is, but not at under six, because a, go, a girl or a friend or a boy, five years old, he doesn't. They, they don't want really to play in a team. They just want to score a goal by themselves. That's what they are, and that's that's the, the, the on, on on the psychological side. That's also what's happening in their mind. They are thinking about themselves, what, about it, the ball, and they they want to score a goal. So. This, this is what you have to, to explain. So what on the side of the coaching, we just we, we ask them to, to, to encourage them and not to, co- not to, to shout pass, pass, but dribble, please go, go, dribble, dribble. Because if you want to create, I give an example, but, and, and now I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's what I use when I try to, to get people on board. You want, do you like players like Hazard? Ah, yes, of course, of course, they say. Okay, what's his quality? Dribbling. When can, when can you teach that at the best? At 16, 17 years old? At 12 years old? Or at 6 years old? When you start earlier, the earlier you start, the better they will do it when they are old. You cannot start when they are old, then you're a coach, and you, when, they, when the players are, are senior players, and you, you're as a coach, you say, oh, if I had now a player who was able to dribble one or two players, because that's what, what makes the difference on the offensive side. But when then you look back or you look in the mirror and as, as a coach and you have to say, yeah, but I never encouraged them to dribble. I was always encouraging them, them to give passes. So it's normal that you don't have players like that. I think it's also, I think we have uh, maybe issue here as well in England. So for instance, in a, a cam, Premier League academy football, nines and tens and elevens, people often associate a win on Sunday against your local team as a success in terms of what your training program is. What's your thoughts on that and in the competition and how have you dealt with that within the coaching program? Can you explain? The, the... So I'm saying, for instance, if an academy team is playing another team and they win because they're playing a game on Sunday against another team, they maybe think then because they've won the game, that means that their training programme, their development programme is, is the best at under nine or under ten. What's your yeah. thoughts on competition at young ages? Yeah, that's, we are very happy about uh, the system in Belgium. We don't have any tables 
till the age of under 40. So it's not, to, we really want to keep that focus away of winning games at under 9, under 10, under 11. It's because the more, the more you focus on the competition element, the more you, 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 the, the, there is a risk to get away from development. So we only want from, from under 14, we have tables and, and even there, you know, yeah, football, it's about winning a game, but the way to win it, the most important at academy level is, is to develop and, do, and to, to learn every week and to try out what you have been training on and during the week. But results at, at young age and, and we don't like that. We don't like that. And we try, we have, we decided seven years ago or eight years already uh, not to have tables anymore. And then, and, and how was, what was the response from that? At the, at the, at the first, uh, at the very beginning, there was, a, there was a lot of criticism. And what we saw that was in the clubs, they were still putting the tables on the walls. Even if there was no tables, they made their own tables. But now I can say um, about 10 years later, it's completely disappeared. We don't, uh, there, there is no focus anymore about that because we are getting used to it. And, and um, I always say it in, uh, in my club, uh, at that age, there are only winners. Even if you lose, you win because you have, uh, you have learned something. And uh, it, especially with, at, at, uh, at the side of parents, not only coaches, but only par also parents. They start. They start already thinking. My son or my daughter is a will be the next uh, Messi because look, he scores uh, every week five, six, go six goals. But they forget that the, there is still a long way to go, and it's it's just uh, it's just the start of a of a long playing career. And that's that's also why why we keep we try to keep that focus away from the result and really getting to the individual and to learning. So what, what do you put down the uh, success Belgium have had recently then? I mean, you've got a population of just over 11 million, something like that. I mean, why, why are you top of the FIFA rankings? Why have you got these players like Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne and all these other all, fantastic players? All these players are the result of, of having a focus on the individual, on the individual as player. And, and uh, on, on, it's, it's the result of encouragement uh, to work. Uh, on them to, to make to make them better as an individual and this is one part and afterwards they also work on the on, on, on the role as an individual in the team and that's uh, that's why why they, they needed some time to, to be to become at that level because I think by putting so much emphasis on, on the individual development, I think that the the, uh, the performance is coming a little bit later than it should be than it could be if you don't have that in individual focus. So I, I try to explain now till the age of 15, they have been not really in a very competitive environment. So they just start in that competition at that age. So that means really to have to become a winner. And to have the 100% focus on the performance, it takes some time, some time to bring them there. But they have all, what, all the tools that they need to be able to do it. They have it in their, in their, in their backpack. And that's what they are, they are using at, 
between 16 and, and 20, 2021. Um, and, and I see a lot of a lot of players developing like that. What about um, I, 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 my time working in academy football? I, I'm lucky enough to do lots of tournaments in Europe, and I saw Anderlecht a lot, and they always impressed me, even at the younger age groups. Because in string, you talk about the they don't play competitive football, but I, from I understand they do play an awful lot of tournaments right in that season, yeah. and they always yeah. were very good at managing the game. It was surprising though you said you know, said that they don't play much comp- competitive football. No, when I when I need, when I say I uh, it's. When I say they don't play competi- competitive football, it's 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 not really. I should I should exp- uh, explain another way. So the competition with tables start only at 14, at at, uh, at at 12 years old in the professional football. So not all the players, uh, not all the, the 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 adult or the senior professional players, they play already in that system at at 12 years old. Some of them, they arrive 13, 14. Now, we see that the last generations, they are arriving earlier. So, they play competition, but the main focus in the club is not focused on winning by just doing anything. The focus in the club, in underleg, they want to be master of the game. They want to win the game, but by playing the best quality football. So that's what I mean that the spirit of competition is not the first idea when they play. The first idea is to play the best football. And then, of course, you play against an opponent. They are in a competition, but the mindset is different. And, and this, this, this makes that uh, Belgian youth players, they are always in an, a challenging environment. And the challenge is not to win the game. Just by doing anything and, and, and getting a result? No. The challenge is by playing the best football. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, listen, I always, that, that, the way they played always stood yeah. out. They always wanted to play what I think the right way. Playing good football, good on the ball, passing, yeah, moving. But, and, but they're very good managing the games as well in a, in a competition environment. Where our, our boys may be, the English boys, who don't, we don't play any academy, uh, any competitive football in England. At yeah. the young ages, maybe they didn't have that same game management experience, and they, yeah, they struggled yeah, yeah. a bit with that. And that's it. They really, at very young age, and that's also in our education system for coach education. We really try to 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 work with our coaches on very uh, good analysis in depth of a player, of a player profile, and teach them how they can train and develop them. So they develop, they do training sessions to develop every individual player. They do not training sessions to develop a squad that can win a team, that, that can win a game. They develop players and not a team. And that, that's what makes that when they are in an environment like a competition, like a tournament, they have individual, so much, individually, they have so much qualities that together they are strong as a team. But the basis of, of their strengths it are the individual qualities. And uh, what, what age group do they get start recruiting players within the uh, academies in Belgium? There has been a lot of discussion about that, and I think now they are start they, they, they are before they started them to, to get them as early as possible. And what we have seen is that they have made huge mistakes, like everybody. 
So everybody wants them to have them the first because otherwise they they have the risk that another club takes them. So they take them early and then they see we've, we've taken the wrong ones. So now we see that at under 10 only they start uh, playing um, against each other in the professional football and they try to let them as long time as possible in their normal environment. But you know, under 12, under 13 is really the age that that's the latest that they want to get them in, in their academy. Because yeah, I, 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 I spoke to some of the guys, they said maybe they had them as young as five and six. They had some five and six age groups in there. Yeah, they have. They have, because every club, also my club, every club has the youngsters. Because this is, these are players that they recruit just around their club. They, they come, they, 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 uh, they register and they play. I think, for example, they play in Anderlecht. But there are only, I think I give an example, there are only 50 players that they can have in that age group. So what they do, that they take the 50 best ones. But they, don't, they really don't go for recruitment. These are the players that come to the club and say, I want to play here. And then they do some, some um, so they organize some, some uh, uh, festival days and, and then they recruit there. They come to play in Anderlecht. But this is not the real recruitment, like uh, looking all over the country where the best players are and, and try to get them in the club. That, that's, nothing what, that's not what's happening there. No, no, no. And, and what's, your, what's your thoughts on uh, early specialization? I mean, there's a lot of oh, debate right, on here. What's, 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 your think, what's your thoughts about that? Uh, if you mean early specialization, it's, it's uh, putting an... I, I, I always say it's putting an etiquette or, or a logo on a player. This will be a right-wing defender, for example. Is that what you mean? No, no. What I mean is that now they're saying that players who uh, specialize in football at an early age, that's early specialization. Yeah. So the best thing... but. You must not, you you must also see if if it's uh, possible in in the organization of of, uh, of the parents. The best is that they do uh, as as much sports as possible. So doing uh, even for I give an example of Anderlecht. In Anderlecht, they organize judo sessions for the players. They do basketball. They organize inside uh, um, gymnastic training. They do coordination. They dance with them. Uh, it's it's. It's really a very large uh, range of, of skills that they, they develop with them. So, if you only focus on, on, on football, I think you can make uh, you, you can only make big mistakes. I think now there's there's a new term called early engagement. So obviously, uh, when I was at Chelsea, there was, we'd spend a lot of time every session. The boys would do some sort of multi-sport yeah. within that three compartments. So it's important to vary that. But my question is though, is that do you give those early you know those early bloomers the opportunity to be playing football as much as possible while still making sure they do other things as well. They do other things. Yeah, we have a a project um, by the government. Um, It's called multi-sport and uh, multi-move, sorry, multi-move. And if you you just Google multi-move, you will see this is for very youngsters, very young children, and they do all activities based upon movements and it's a good preparation for all the sports, for basketball, for tennis, because it's about about all the movement skills. And and the the also in underlegs they do that with with uh, with the youth players, and they really enjoy it because it just yeah being uh, creative to be in movement. And it's not only football, but it's 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 about everything. 
and and that's uh, that's interesting that's interesting but of course you know when when they are 12 13 14 years old they are and they they are really good in football they they keeping that focus and they are yeah they go more to to to, to their uh, preferred sport that's clear do you think there's a, a cor- do you think there's a connection between the hours trained and then the final destination of the player between what was the first between so, those? Do you think there's a connection between how many hours you train and then where you end up? So I don't want to use the term the ten thousand ten thousand no, uh, hour rule because that's a myth, mate. But what I'm saying is there. But is there? We're talking about maybe you know the importance of practice being important to long term development. I, I, my opinion, it's it's uh, less the quantity that is important and more the quality. Uh, and and practice for for, for sure. You need practice. You need uh, experience. You need, uh, yeah, you you need a lot of hours to practice and to 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 experience and to try out and to fail and to try again. But I think the the not only the the practice in in the club environment, but also what they are doing just just by playing with, at home with their friends. Uh, all all these experience, yeah. That is important, but in my opinion, to, to reach the top, it's more the quality than the quantity that's important. But it's it's my opinion. Talking a bit about, about what players do away from the game, I was at a tournament last year in France and I was speaking to the one of the Ajax recruitment guys and he was saying how maybe this that in recent years there hasn't been the same quality in depth as players because of the death of street football. But he yeah. said the one place he's seen that, which is vivid, is uh, in Belgium. And maybe yeah. those the working class areas which have, you know, those cages where the strict boys are out all night playing football and their real creativity and that street football's creating such a that's where a lot of these talented young players are coming through in Belgium. Yeah, man, that's also what we that's also the reason why we try to play the two v two situation and the one v one. Because I I still could play on the street. But because when I was young, I'm now fifty two. When I was young there was no problem to play football in the street. So now, street soccer is not possible anymore because of the traffic and the situation. But we can try to, to create an environment in the club and in the training environment that is like the street football. That means just let them be creative. Because that's what I say when I'm in coach education. And, and sometimes I ask to the coach when I have to introduce the 2v2 football uh, tell me what's the difference between that football and the, 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 the normal 5v5 situation that you know. And then they say, ah, 5v5 situation, it's more structured. Yeah, there are more players and there is a coach. And the coach, he's giving guidelines and he's saying, do this, do that. Okay, in the 2v2 situation, they play, they play 2v2 and there are five, six pitches near each other. So the coach, he cannot give guidelines because he cannot be on five pitches. So the coaching guidelines are zero. You just have to organize, let them play, let them be creative, let them play soccer football in an organized environment, street soccer in an organized environment. And that's uh, in in cities, we we have these small pitches, we have these cages where, where they play uh, around Brussels, in in Antwerp, in Ghent, you ha- you have it everywhere. But also, we try to do that in the club environment, just to create an environment where they can they can try out, they can be themselves, 
they can try out anything that they want and that's that's what we did when we played street soccer there is nobody who tells you what to do and that's where you start being creative that's where you start developing creativity that you say here is the ball there is the opponent go for it try it try it and and that's what we should do but that means that we have to develop all coaches to have that profile and that mean and that's the biggest challenge because coaches they want to have everything under control but you cannot have it under control if you want them to become creative i give an example picasso he's very creative <laughs> nobody had him under control when he started painting it was 100% freedom so when we when we have to teach them football please give them 100% freedom and let them be creative at very young age and afterwards okay it's it's true it's getting more complexity more structure but don't forget the creativity because this is this what makes every player different from another so can you imagine what should have been the value of hazard if he had if he didn't have the dribbling skills so you really have to take these examples i messi um why do the most creative players in europe why do they come from south america because they are there in an environment as young children an environment that is not structured they are free they can try anything they can do anything and we start training sessions for the youngsters and we put cones and you say now you go stand here you have to give a pass to the other cone and then you can go to the red cone and then to the blue cone cone but this is not creativity let them be let them be themselves let them be free let them try out i agree with you i think that's for me i've always been a big fan of street trying to replicate a street football environment and that's why i think 1v1 is so key and small sided games 2v2 3v3 4v4s and even 5v5s but i mean I, that's why I, I don't like never like using too much big like 7v7s 8v8s in my training sessions because i think you lose especially the young players you lose a bit of that creativity yeah. and that energy and also i think the overuse of rondos as well which is a good training technique maybe as well but i think some yeah. some people are obsessed with trying to make under nines and under ten teams play like Barcelona. When actually, yeah. you know what we want them to. This should be like street football, getting them out. Obviously, Absolutely. lots of one v one ball mastery. Just getting and like you say, you know, I think as well. Interesting what you said there about South America. I think it's just a different culture there, right? I think they, you know, they want players to get on the ball. They applaud that individuality and that expression. But, where I think we, we should also want these players. I agree because but they you, make you, the difference. But look, so at, we have to we have to encourage it. I, I agree. What, but look, at, I think yeah. if you look at England, there's a culture here historically of kicking the ball as far yeah. as you can and as hard as you can and we're still combating that and I think even now in our in our coaching courses here 1v1 and ball mastery is not seen as relevant within the coaching uh, curriculum here unfortunately at the highest level so we're still fighting that battle like they're trying to identify what is our culture here can we support players but it's still orientating too much until the big formatted games and too much around team play as well yeah but the 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 end target is the 11v11 situation but then you have to break it down you have to break it down and see okay what skills can i develop the best at what age group and then you would say when can you start dribbling yeah at very young age 
because when you start playing football, what do you do? You have a ball, you, you, at, at very young age, even alone, you start juggling, you start dribbling, and then you, st you, 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 go, you, you start shooting to the goal. But I never enjoyed just giving passing to my brother and receiving the ball back from him. We never did it. We tried to dribble each other and to score the goal. So if you know that the 11 v 11 is the end target, okay, that's good. And you have to structure it and you, they have to, to learn to, to, to play in a team. But before, you need building blocks on the individual side. And the earlier you start with that, the better it is. But it's not like, okay, like I've, we, 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 um, my teacher, the, it was a lady, she taught me the alphabet at six years old. So afterwards, you still use the same alphabet all the time, all, all over the time. So you start teaching them individual skills, dribbling skills, but please ask them to repeat them all over the time. And that's why the, the 1v1 situation and the small-sided games are so important all over the curriculum. And, and I ask senior players when you're in a training session and, you, and ask them, what do you prefer? Let them make a choice. Do we play 11v11 or do we play on two smaller sides, twice 5v5? Ask them. And I'm sure, I'm sure that 80% will say we prefer 5v5. I think because, it's quite, sorry. <laughs> because it's, it's very easy. If you play 5v5, you touch the ball every, every 15 seconds. If you play 11v11, you touch the ball every three minutes. So... It's, it's very easy. It's I, very easy. I suppose it's a case as well, trying to encourage coaches to be patient, right? And let the players just go out there and play and not be, like I said earlier, too worried about what the game looks like on a Sunday, as long as no. they're going and trying things and making mistakes and being creative. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I am, was always happy if I saw them making a dribble that we had been training during the week. I said, oh my God, fantastic. And they, do, they also, they came in the dressing room and said, Coach, did you see? I, 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 uh, I did what, you, what we have been practicing this week. And, and that's, that's what, what youth football should, should be. To help them to, and, and what the coach should be. To be a guide, to accompany, to, to be yeah, their guide on their, um, their football journey. journey. All, the, all over the development phase. And, and when they're getting older, Okay, then you can you still have a lot of time to to prepare them for the performance. So just I know just a few, just almost uh, finished. I know you're a very busy man, Chris. Just quickly, what how much um, involvement do you have with the pro clubs then in terms of developing the elite level coaches? So in, with the elite level coaches, as uh, I'm I'm uh, responsible with my colleague for the elite UEFA A elite uh, level. So we are we are now re, we have been re-designing uh, uh, the course uh, for 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 the A course and um, yeah there there we really have a collaboration with the clubs. I, I can just tell you what the experience and the preparation we've done last year. We have been visiting all the clubs like on the left Bruce Tandatlies, um, asking the, the academy director tell tell us. What's important, the profile of the youth coach for your clubs? What do you want them to be? 
how do you want them to work? What's the mo what for every age group? Tell me what what the focus is. And we have been we we, we prepared in 100% partnership and collaboration with the clubs. We prefer prepared the environment that we want to create now for our coaches. So it's not the Belgian FA that decides this is the way we're gonna do it. It's the Belgian FA who collaborates with the clubs, who asks an agreement and say, okay, what do you think about this? And then we go for the final um, in, in, uh, implementation. And that's what that's the way we work on all over all over the levels. And and so what is the uh, I mean the reason I ask is that for instance you have in England we have Man City and Manchester United. Their philosophies are completely different at the younger age groups in terms of the methodology about how they're preparing the players and developing them. Same in, in London, we have academies here. Very stark contrasts in how they approach player development. Is that the same in no. Belgium or is it all pretty uh, similar? No, we, no, we have, no, not at all. We have, what is different is the DNA of the clubs. So, for example, Anderlecht is playing in another way than Club Bruce. Standard Liège is playing in another way as, as, as Anderlecht. But we don't want to have any impact on that. But what we, what we discuss with them, and that is, that's what we have uh, written down in like, like a common document. We call it the vision of, of development. So in that vision of development, we describe how we want to develop the individual player in the different age groups. And there we have, yeah, we have an, an, an agreement and, and I think the principles are for 85% the same in all the Belgian clubs. And uh, in terms of the international football, what, what age is the first, do players first experience that? When are they first called in for international duty? We start, it, it's different. We make a difference, the girls' football and the boys' football. And I tell you why. We, we, uh, we work earlier with the girls because the clubs don't have the same level of education and the same level of, of, of the academy for girls. And the, at clubs' level, with the girls, we start at under 12. With the boys, we start only under 14. And their first international games, so we start one year under 14 in our national uh, centre. And the first international ex experiences are under 15. Fantastic. And just, just lastly, um, what, what experience, what advice, sorry, would you give to a young aspiring coach who wants to get somewhere where you are now, right at the top of uh, the game in international development? Uh, the, the advice of, uh, that uh, open your eyes, open your ears, ask a lot of questions every day again. Uh, when you're in your practice, after your practice, please ask to your colleagues, ask to the players, ask feedback. The more feedback you, you ask, the more you will learn. But that's just the problem in football. Most of the coaches, they are so ego, so much ego that they think that they know everything, that their training session is the best and that they can't learn anything from somebody else. But I can tell you, I am learning every day every every day because i have an open mind i want to i want to 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 be critical i ask questions i see something i ask coaches why do you do this and they are they are surprised why do you this why do you do it in that way and they say ah, i've always done it like that yeah but what's the reason what's the objective so this is is is, is very important as a coach 
I know there is the internet, there is YouTube, there is Google, and that can be a problem for coaches because they just look, they see something, and they copy it. But they don't ask questions about what's the reason why I should do this exercise. So, I give an example. They look for training sessions of Klopp, training sessions of Guardiola, and they do the same thing. But does these exercises, do these exercises, do they fit into your philosophy? Do they fit with your profile of players? So, I think the best advice that I can give them is ask a lot of questions and uh, don't be afraid to uh, to give an answer on it. And that's the, the best way to, to, to learn everything and to be very critical to yourself. And, and what about a, a parent who's um, just discovered that they have a young child who's gifted and talented in the football and has maybe been identified by a, a pro club? Yeah, if... I... I I had the same experience with my son, so I, I can tell you from uh, from that point of view, Club Bruges came to, to to see him, and they wanted him at, at 11 years old. So was already 11 years. So he was playing in my club. Uh, so first year we said no, but then the year after they came back, and just before he went to secondary school. He uh, we de he decided to go to play for Club Bruges, and he he and there was one condition. I said, okay, you can do it, but you 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 have to stay at school in our environment. So that means there was a transfer, a transport of of 45, 50 minutes to go to training session, and we from the very beginning we explained to him, okay, you can do this. We will be responsible for the transfer, transport, but you have to focus not on football. You have to be in your normal environment, school environment, education, and you can play football there. And we are so happy that we have uh, we had we have done that at at young age because he stayed there till the age of 21, but he got his uh, diploma at at, uh, at at the high school, at university. And, and finally, he didn't get to, he, he had a pro contract for three years till the age of 21, and then he got into top amateur football again. So he's now 25, 26, he will have in, in, in April. And uh, he had that experience, and it was fun, and he learned a lot. But we didn't want to focus at very young age on football. And that's the message that I should give to parents who have also a very young uh, talented boy or girl to say, please don't uh, gamble everything on football. Work on their education. If 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 the club, if it's near to your home, no problem because they can play football there. And if if you see that the club is really investing in in the individual development, then there is no problem. But that is so important that they don't lose the focus about their life. Because some of them, they are so early, and that's also what I call early specialization. They are so early in that professional football environment that they think, I will become a professional football player. And that's a big mistake because of the whole academy, how many players are going through till the, till the senior team? 1%? 2%? Maximum? 
So it's it's always a it's a difficult decision. It's a very difficult decision. Chris, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Your uh, your your insight's been fantastic. Thank you very much. So <laughs> you're welcome. It was a, a big pleasure to discuss with you about the football. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.